When they say follow your dreams, do you ever take it literally? Like, do you have a crazy dream and go, I'm going to go do this in real life when you wake up? I do sometimes. Welcome to the Copper Parrot. My name is James Davidson. I am the distiller and co-founder of Angewe Rum. And we're going to talk about the October 2022 Rum Club release, Lady G. See, dreams are often things you're already thinking about. They get reprocessed. And I pay attention to my dreams a lot. I record them and all that kind of stuff. And this dream, I had a dream that had a huge impact on the next release. But really, it started years before. Years ago, before I ever started my distillery, I went to a tasting for a company called Temptus Fugit. They make a lot of old world liqueurs and digestives and that kind of stuff. The story goes that they use recipes from a 200-year-old book uh, that is owned by a Spanish family, and they lease out the recipes and, and make them. Really cool stuff. And I met the guy. I tried his stuff. I thought to myself, wow, this is really cool. I've never had something like this. Like they had bitters that were full, full bottles that you would actually drink by themselves, not add to a cocktail. It was botanically and interesting and, and I thought really cool. Never saw anything like it, really. Because, you know, in America and Texas, that style of beverage isn't, isn't something that's super common. Now, you'll see, uh, you'll see kind of botanically cocktails and botanicals used in things, but usually it's not like on its own. And I always thought that was cool. For years, I thought about it. Years, I kind of backburnered, you know, moved on to rum and, and made rum and made that my living for a very long time. And eventually I made a gin, which I've already talked about. And then that got me more on this botanical path. Like, okay, I've learned a lot about fermenting and distilling and barreling and, and spices. And now I've learned about the botanicals of my gin. And when I got all those botanicals from my gin, I bought a bunch of botanicals. I bought a bunch of random stuff. Yeah, I'd read the description. Oh, that sounds cool. And, and sometimes the description would be like on a tincture website for like, medicinal healing or whole earth healing. So it wasn't always going to be like, hey, a distiller use this and make the thing. It was more of a whole earth, whole healing, whole health kind of websites. So not always uh, you know, the same as, as you would think normally. And I had these laying around. And even though Lies Botanicals didn't make it into the gym, I thought to myself, man, I really like these. And I started thinking more and more about Temptus Fugit, about that old world liqueur I had. And one of my favorite cocktails is actually the Negroni. I love chewing on dirt. I love a garden. I love floral. I love all that kind of stuff. But is it appetizing for the general public? And I think the answer is no. I meet a lot of people who like Negronis, but by and large, I don't. And so I keep thinking about it. I, the thought occurred to me, can I make a digestive, something you can really just enjoy by itself after dinner for the American palate and for my palate alone. Oh, I like bitter, but sometimes I, I want something sweet too. And so I start chewing on it, chewing on it, chewing on it. Years goes by, you know, and I still have these botanicals. I still smell them occasionally and just kind of look at them. And sometimes I look at my botanicals. And I just kind of smell them. I'm like, okay, what is this? Is this is there something I'm missing with this? I come back to it. Like, is this, am I ever, ever going to use this? I have been trying to use sweet wood roof forever and I still have not put in anything. 
then I had a dream. And in this dream, I was looking for a time machine. And the time machine was in the middle of nowhere. It was like in the ground next to a nice road, a very well-kept road in the middle of the country. And there's this music throbbing from this hole in the ground. And I say hole in the ground. It's like a very nice hole, like a very square, like you walk into a cellar. And there's mist coming out of this hole. And there's like kind of like a house music. Boom, 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 boom. And I descend into this hole. Down these stairs, just metal stairs that look very biomechanical, very futuristic. And the room is pretty big, you know, call 300 square feet. And there's white tufted couches all in this room. One of them has a very sharp looking gentleman wearing a white suit. And at the bottom of the stairs is a bar. And there's a woman behind the bar making a cocktail. And the cocktail's for me. And the woman happens to be Lady Gaga. And she doesn't say anything because she doesn't have to. She's Lady Gaga. And she makes me this cocktail. She uses a custom in-house simple syrup and something in a bottle. I'm assuming it's a liqueur. And the cocktail glowed and it even uh, issued smoke, um, smoke and mist and stuff. Kind of like the dry ice smoke, you know, people put in front of their houses for Halloween. And I go sit down next to a dapper gentleman on top of the couch. I started drinking this glowing cocktail and it was amazing. It was delicious. It was like nothing I ever had. And the more I drank, the more I could see a smudge in the air. I could see the outline of the time machine that I knew was in this room. And I knew it was changing me. I knew it was warping my mind in a way to see the time machine. And I wasn't sure if it was a good thing or bad thing. And that's when I woke up. And when I woke up, I thought to myself, I've got to make that cocktail. I've got to bring that from the ether into the real world. Now, the dream wasn't as clear as it could be. Like most dreams, it didn't say, hey, here's your botanicals you need. Here's the exact flavor profile. But it was a feeling. I woke up with a feeling of that digestive, of that otherworldly vibe. And I started going through botanical websites. I started reading all these different botanicals. I knew some of the things I wanted to touch on. Some I already owned and some I knew needed to support it. And I started building out kind of a rubric of mouthfeels and categories. And I started researching classic cocktails like Benedictine and other things from Spain and France just started really reading through their botanical list. Now, a lot of these things, you can't get a hard list because they're closely held family secrets. Like if you got to be married to a daughter of the grandfather who started the distillery or great-grandfather, and you got to be married to her for 20 years to provide three kids <laughs> before they share that recipe with you, before you be, get read in. So there, there was no hard evidence. But people would guess at things. And there's saffron in a lot of these things. And... I thought to myself, oh, I'll look into that. And I was like, eight bucks a gram. I'm not getting, I'm not doing that. And that night I had another dream. Now Lady Gaga did not make another appearance. I was at a coffee shop in Johnson City, which is near my distillery. And at this coffee shop, in the dream at least, they had a bunch of liqueurs they're getting rid of. They put them out in this wire rack out in front and say, hey, if you want to try these, go ahead and try them. And they're all great. Every single liqueur I tried had saffron. 
Like if there was any other indication that I should have a certain botanical in my beverage, I can't think of one. Like I thought I've tried things and thought, wow, this tastes really, really good. But never like this, <laughs> never like you must tr at least try this. Says, all right, I'll try this. So order saffron with a bunch of other botanicals. I started with about 10 botanicals, if you want to include the walnut. And I knew, I knew it'd be more like four or five. And this is kind of a caveat. I'm going to say, like, I'm really happy with what I came up with. Would I put it up against an old world liqueur? No. Um, it's, it's not bitter. It's not wormwood. So is it the same category? I don't really think so. And a lot of old world liqueurs are developed over generations. So I would, I think it's great and amazing. I think all my rum members are going to really enjoy it. But I want to preface this. It's not going to be exactly like something from Spain or France. It's going to be something that was made by James Davidson. So I had these nine or 10 botanicals. And I talk about this a bit on the Instagram. And there's the videos if you want to see them. And I infuse them at separate uh, intervals and in different different jars. And I use infusion instructions from a lot of holistic healing websites. Because like rose hips is not, you can, there are rose hip liqueurs. So that was helpful. But I use using things like burdock root and wild cherry bark and a couple other things that don't really make their ways into a lot of liqueurs or into a lot of informational videos. So I had to go kind of a different path. So I infuse always different things. And I approve from all the 40% because I want, I want my liqueur to be 40%. And I start blending them. And I taste them all for mouthfeel. Because when I construct something like this, when I do infusions and construct infusions, the flavor is very important, obviously. But I also focus a lot on mouthfeel. I was like, well, the walnut and the wild cherry bark both have big mouthfeels. So I was like, okay, I don't feel like I'm going to have both of these. I'll have either one or the other, um, which turned out not to be the case, but we'll, we'll go. I'll get to that eventually. And then I had a number of botanicals that were all very tea-like, like Damiana, Sweetwood Roof, Meadowsweet. All those had the vibe of earthy, minty, not the exact same flavor by any means, but they occupied a similar place in the mind and in the palate. I probably would not use multiple of those. Like I would use one of those three if I used any of them. And a couple, I had a couple of botanicals I, I used. Those are the big ones that really like fit into similar categories because I could have a liqueur with 20 botanicals, but one of my design feelings, one of the things I really try to follow when I make things is I try to make them concise. I try to make them big and interesting, but not overwhelming in character. Because if you put too many things in there, it goes from being interesting and good to being muddled. Now, there's plenty of great things in the world that have 20 botanicals in it, and it tastes great. But you have a really hard time placing a finger on any one thing. That's a personal design choice I make. It's not necessarily a good, bad, or indifferent. It's just it's how I view things, more or less. I like to have something be the the bulk of the flavor and other things support that flavor. Now this one, I actually did end up not doing an even split, but 
I use a lot of wild cherry bark and a lot of rose hip. Not even now. It also becomes a question of what was even right, like rose hips and wild cherry bark are completely two completely different botanicals and they infuse very differently. So could I break out the grams of each? Sure, but it, does that really affect how much is infused into the liquor? It does, but it also changes the texture. I know I'm going to weeds on this and I'm going a little far afield on how it's made, but making liqueurs is interesting and I've never really done it. Now I've done, to be fair, I have done coffee infusions. I've done some other infusions. So I'm not brand new to infusions, but this is my first time attempting to go with vibe and feel of something old. And to me, trying to approach that feeling, trying to approach the feeling of Europe, of old Europe, is a monumentous task, is something that I approach with some trepidation. Now, I could just not say that, right? I could, not, I could say nothing about this. I could be like, well, that's not what I'm trying to do, or I could not even bring it up. But now that I brought it up, I'm really telling you, like, hey, like, I took, a, took it very seriously. Like, you know, this is, that's why I'm, I hesitate to say, this tastes just like, if you like, Pimp's cup, or if you like Benedictine, you'll like this. Well, I don't want to say that because those are all very different flavors. So one thing I had to settle was what's going to be my big base flavor? What's going to be the thing that is pro- predominantly the big thing you taste? And like I mentioned a little bit earlier, that I thought it was going to be walnut or wild cherry bark. I didn't think it'd be both. I think it's one of this one or that one. So I started doing blends, and I, I had my staff come into the production area like, hey, try this, try this, try this. And everyone was all about the walnut. Everyone's like, this walnut's great. It's really interesting. It's something you understand. People understand walnut. But I like the wild cherry bark. You know, it's not always about me, right? It's about people's feedback and stuff. But when I tried the wild cherry bark for the very first time, it brought me back to my first art distilling. When you first distill, assuming you're not doing a professional setting and you're just trying stuff and trying random stuff, a lot of people use oak chips or they'll use chunks of staves and stuff like that. I use chunks of staves. And that imparts a different flavor than aging in a barrel. It's similar. It'll kind of get you close. But there's something about that character that reminded me of the wild cherry bark. So while Cherry Bark gave you kind of wood notes, (laughs) is there cherry notes in there? A little bit, but not predominantly. It's there. It gives you the hint of that. But I think the hint is enough to get you to the point where you oh, this tastes a little bit like stone fruit. I think that's what did it for me because all those staves I used beforehand, before I ever got my license, before I ever opened my distillery were French oak from big red wine casks. So I was very enamored with that feeling. And so I had this emotional connection to the wild cherry bark. I was like, this must be used. Even though everyone's like, no, walnut, walnut. And I actually, I chose walnut. I I was like, yeah, I guess that's walnut because that's what everyone likes. And I made walnut. I made a big batch, a big batch. I made like, 300 milliliters, which is a lot if you're only you know doing small infusions. And I sit off to the side and then my business partner came in and she tried it the next day and she was like, I don't like it. <laughs> and I hated that and loved it. 
one, it did change a little bit overnight. The botanicals kind of combined up a little bit. It didn't become bad, but it did change a little bit. But two, bringing someone someone in who hadn't tried any of the previous iterations and then trying that and them going, I don't like it, goes, okay, maybe I need to rethink this. And then we went back to Wild Cherry Bark. Again, guys, I must say Wild Cherry Bark like 50 more times before the end of this podcast. And I made an infusion with that. I didn't just swap it out because Wild Cherry Bark is not going to play just like Walnut. Walnut has big meaty textures, but it's not oak by any means. And so I made the Wild Cherry Bark. It's like number 14 blend or something. And I let Riley try it. Riley is one of our bartenders here. And he's like, this is great, but it's missing something. And I took a small amount of Walnut and put it in there. It was perfect. It gave it a little bit of that fatty texture the walnut gives because I'm not doing any heavy filtration on this. I'm not getting the fats out of there. I want those fats in there. So I ended up using wild cherry bark, a lot of rose hips, saffron. You cannot use saffron because this is in my dream. I had to use it. Uh, splash of walnut. Actually, it's walnut. I actually toast a little bit of double simple syrup. I put just a splash of simple syrup in there to make it not bitter. But all these botanicals I just listed, they're not bitter botanicals. Like saffron is like honey-ish. Like saffron's gorgeous. I also use a little bit of Damiana. Damiana, Damiana, I'll tell you this. Damiana by itself is a beautiful botanical. In fact, there's a, a Mexican liqueur you get called Damiana. And I recommend getting it because it is a beautiful, beautiful botanical and it could be all by itself. But it gave me that kind of mint a little bit of grassy texture that a lot of digestives are known for. So I hit all my, I hit all my marks. I hit like the big center palette, hints of fruit, a little bit of that floral, a little bit of that kind of grove texture with the rose hips. Then the saffron, the saffron, oh God, saffron's gorgeous on the nose. And out of the botanical blend, it is probably 70 to 80% of the cost. <laughs> it's just so expensive. But when you sit down with a glass of Lady G, it's just a whole experience. You don't need to put it in a cocktail. You don't need to put it, mix it with anything. You could put it on an ice cube and just enjoy the sunset. I'm super excited for October, 2022. Rum Club release. Cheers. Cheers.